This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis S Delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, discussing the town up or down since 2015. David Diamond, would you consider yourself a romantic? You've got quite a romantic name, actually, haven't you, Diamond? I like yes, that. I have, really, haven't I? Yeah, spelled obviously slightly differently. Yeah, I'm an old romantic at heart, I think, Ben. Yeah. Joe, yeah. would you consider yourself a romantic? It's Valentine's Day tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, you're more of a sort of Lafario. <laughs> Blafario's a great word, <laughs> Yeah, he's just signed for signed for Watford, the Potts over brought him in. I assume Mrs. Fairs doesn't listen or watch the podcast, does she, Joe? She'll be coming in and vouching for me in a minute. <laughs> coming, in, coming in with a rolling pin. Oi! <laughs> oh, dearie me. Oh, dear. um, David, um, I'm sure it was a long time ago, but would you mind regaling us with tales of how you... Um, did you propose to the lovely Teresa? Of course, I, yeah, I, I did. But you're right; it was a long, long time, a long, long time. <laughs> so, so, like tell Star me more. Wars in a universe far, far away. Do you know? <laughs> thinking back, you did sort kind of prompt this because this is the spoiler alert. This is leading somewhere. Um, <laughs> Never. Um, I think thinking back, it was a long, long time ago, so early '80s, and I think it was in the car park. This is romantic as hell. Car park of the Rushmere Garland. How about that? How about that? So my other half, my good lady, lived along Humberdoucey Lane at the time. That's where she she sort of grew up. And yeah, it was certainly, I think, I'm pretty certain, car park Rushmere Garland. Outstanding, uh, Joe. Are you are you willing to regale us of um, tales of your proposal? Yeah, mine, mine was just at home in the end. I had some all these grand plans for it and we were supposed to go to australia that winter and i was going to do it there but i'd bought the ring and i just was getting so stressed about having it there i was like i just need to i need to come up with a scenario just to get this done or it's just going to drive me mad for a few months so um i think it was just her birthday so i just cooked her dinner and did it in between main course and dessert oh that that is a smoothie yeah i think you thought i was getting a peg because i was like um 
close your eyes and and I, she thought she, <laughs> nope. I was going to like put a dog on her lap that I'd had <laughs> hidden in the cupboard for like four hours or something like that. I don't did know. She, did she? a dead when, dog by the time I gave it to her. Good point though, Joe. But after you gave her the ring, did she seem disappointed? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a constant disappointment a for the last ten years for her. <laughs> Excellent. Um, how about yeah, you, Ben? Is... How about you? Well, wait a minute, though. Oh, obviously, obviously, I'm in a lot of trouble today oh, because I, this is... I'm I'm not married. But one of our team, uh, the very young and very handsome, probably the young, most youngest and most handsome of us all, Mikey, did propose to his missus yesterday. Uh... But you see, Mikey, I've got a couple of bones to pick with him. One is the flagrant disrespect um, that he's put on me now, because obviously, as soon as I told my missus, I was in loads of trouble because he's beaten me, beaten me to the punch. But Secondly, he's he's so trendy that it, it would have been too much of a cliche to do it on Valentine's Day. So he had to do it a couple of days before. But I jest. Um, would you like to wish um, Mikey congratulations, Joe? Yeah, congratulations to Mikey and Rebecca. Yeah, all the best, Mikey and Rebecca. Yeah, great. Good news. Good news. And, um, you know, we're all looking forward to the Blue Monday um, stag probably week in, in Las <laughs> yeah. Vegas, do we think? Well, the, we, the pre-season, going... the Ipswich Town pre-season tour for the Stag Week, couldn't it? Are, are we not going to um, Joe's holiday home? Get there. Might not be quite as glamorous. <laughs> no. So my argument to my, to my missus was that until a ceremony happens, that that doesn't count, does it? So I can still get in yeah, there and, and do see it. What, see, see where you're going with that, Ben. And yep. I I made a baby yes. as well. So I'm Out effectively. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm effectively I consider myself two one up. But yeah, congratulations, Mikey. And um yeah, good all, news, the mock, mate. all the mockery. And yeah, happy Valentine's Day, everybody who's w- watching this today. You old romantic lo- football fans known for their great um romantic <laughs> gestures. Yeah, there um, were several there were several romantic inflatables going around yesterday, oh, to be fair. I think I need to press a button to move this on. <laughs> Right, um, we've got to talk about Paul Cook again, David, because he, um, I said wrongly on this podcast last week, Chesterfield thing, well, that's blown over, hasn't it? It's not going to happen. Um, I'm going to give you one of those binary questions that you can say a bit of both to. Um, do, do you admire him for being a, a bit a bit brave going in um, as low as Chesterfield? Are you, are you surprised or...? No, not or, really. Or, I mean, obviously, you think he's there's got, no other options. No, I mean, I think had he had he been there without having history there, and obviously quite a successful right. history there, I think it would have been a much much bigger surprise. But no, there's a strong connection there. I think he was there three or four seasons, had a great success. What one league two, I think, I believe, got into league one playoffs. I think so. He had a lot of success there, um, and there's a kind of Ipswich connection where he's replacing a, a, a James Rowe, who was actually Ipswich born and bred, wasn't he? Who left the yeah. club, I think, uh, about a week ago or so. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd been initially suspended for disciplinary yeah. reasons and yeah. then um, yeah. sacked from there. But, yeah, they're, they're flying in the league. I think they're second in the league, a couple of points behind top with a game in hand. National, but just National League, not National not League, yes, yeah, to get yeah. back into the league. Yeah, yeah but they, um, yes. I think yeah. they had a bad injury. Their striker broke his ankle yesterday, and Deek. which is obviously a big blow for them post-transfer window. And then they conceded a sort of injury time equaliser in the time mm-hmm. that had been added on for that injury. So yeah, Cook double. is continuing to not shut up shop, it seems, maybe with a lead. 98th <laughs> minute, I think. It was a big 90, yeah, 98th minute equaliser. Yeah, a real kick in the what's it, that one. 
double whammy. But yeah, I I loaded up um, Gillette on Tuesday night and saw him on the TV and tweeted out, oh, somebody's looking for a job. And that took about two days for that (laughs) that to happen. But but we wish him the best of luck. He's a great great guy, isn't he? Yeah, so um, good Good luck to him. Good luck to him. Didn't work out. As you would say, Dave. Joe's very tight. Joe's very tight. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? It's it's one of those moves, I think, it's just... uh, it's a it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're going in at quite a low level, and if you fail there, and sort of Liam Richardson well, continues yeah, to do point. well at Wigan, bearing in mind they're there like second, and he's he sort of showed when he when he was here, he was here as a manager that maybe doesn't come in and have the instant impact. He's someone that maybe wants to build something over time, sort of thing. So mm. interesting one. I, I'd, I'd say I think it's a bit of a risky move for him, but hopefully he does well and gets him back up into the league because they're a big big club and deserving of a place and start the season very well. Absolutely. Um, we are going to head to MK along with 7,000 uh, Ipswich fans and uh, David and Joe were both there. But I think we need to hear from the newly off the market, uh, Mikey Pentysmith first, telling us all about how to buy some chicken. With wings more crisp than a James Norwood finish, ribs meatier than Sam Morsey tackle and chicken tastier than Wes Burns, favourite is Britain's tastiest chicken. And as a listener of the Blue Monday podcast, you can get 20% off by entering BM20 at the checkout. Order direct from their menu at chicken-ipswich.co.uk. They'll deliver anywhere within a 2.7 mile radius of the store. And if you're not quite as local as the Bond family, you can click and collect. The store is located just off Hadley Road. Favourite, Britain's tastiest chicken. Damn right. Outstanding. Outstanding, yeah. You're telling me. And the support yesterday at MK was indeed outstanding. I want to just talk about this before we get into the game and the teams and everything. Dave, I want to talk about this as an event. Um, and can you just touch on to what extent this ridiculous away support that's just obviously snowballed and snowballed is... We are seeing this fairly well nationally with away ends just full. And, you know, as we hopefully go from pandemic to endemic, people just want to get to games and I think away ends. To what extent is it that? And also, to what extent is it buying into... Game changer and Ashton O'Leary McKenna. <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but I think it's it's, it's a bit of everything. Really. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, obviously coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, last year not being able to attend matches for the majority of the season last season, and the sort of good. I mean, even under come on, even under Cook earlier in the mm. season, I think you know the game changer. You know, I went to Sunderland. There was I don't know, three two and a half thousand there when Joe were at Burton, and it was similar. You know, similar feel the away end there. I just think it's a sort of feel good feeling around around the club now, and it's uh, certainly a um, you know coming out of obviously the Marcus Evans dire, let's face it, pretty dire era. I think. Yeah, it's, it's a lot to do with Game Changer. And um, I mean, it's just the, the, the support yesterday was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. You know, right. And pretty much right the way right the way through the game. But just, yeah, amazing, really. What say you, Joe? Yeah, it's, I suppose for Ipswich fans, it's quite a local game as well, really, isn't it? I know it's mm. two hours away from Ipswich, but we've got a big fan base. And sort of the further you go up the A14, your sort of Stowe Markets, Berries, even sort of Newmarket. Even into Cambridge, there's sort of big Ipswich followings there, and it's really it's really close to them. And there there aren't many games which are close, are there? And I think we knew that we were going to be getting a big amount of tickets. We took well, we took three and a half thousand there under Lambert, didn't we? When we were first down from yeah, was that league, that game? Yeah. One. and that was a, that was a night game as well, so it wasn't a Saturday game. We got the chance. I think there's a that I think it's always one we take a lot too, as long as we weren't just dead and buried in the league. 
but with the way sort of McKenna's come in and we've won a few games and you'd sort of see the games leading up to it, I think there was a sort of bit of a feel-good factor going into it mm. as well. And it just sort of snowballed, really. Like loads of every, It was like a who's who of Ipswich up there yesterday. Everywhere you went, you sort of bumped it into someone. Crazy. And yeah. even sort of people I know that are... Sort of Ipswich fans would sort of go to a few games here and there. They they were going. Every, everyone I spoke to in the week was like, "Oh, how are you getting up to Milton Keynes at the weekend?" And mm. sort of people that work for us and bits like that. It was just one of those that just grabbed the imagination for whatever reason and went from there. But no, it's great to see, and it really I think it sort of picked up a little bit in the nationals how many fans are going to support us at the moment. And yeah, like I say when you think we've as a club we've sort of been on a downward spiral for sort of twenty years. We haven't we haven't had a promotion in in that time. We we haven't really had much to shout about in that time and we're still taking such huge numbers on the road it's sort of shows the sort of size of the club and sort of without getting sort of too far ahead of ourselves here I think when you listen to sort of McKenna in the post-match and sort of what he says and his reaction after the game I think you sort of maybe realise how big an opportunity maybe he realises how big an opportunity this is that there aren't many you're sort of in the sort of top 20 to 25 clubs in the country aren't you there's there's not many outside that that could do this and there's there might be a few in league one but you look at a lot of these clubs that have been in the premier league for a long time you sort of bournemouth's um even like reading um team, teams like that that have had a, a lot more successes like brentford they, they they couldn't do anything like what we've done there and they they, ne- they never will be able to like milton Keynes will never be able to fill that stadium as milton Keynes. by the time they might fill it it, it they'd need to redo it because it'd probably be in about 40, 50 years if they've had sustained success. But we can do that. We've got that potential and we just need to harness it. Well, Dave, what was it like as an, as an event? Um, to Kieran McKenna in the, in the post-match said, oh, it was like a Wembley playoff game where like, like a half and half thing. And Joe's already mentioned, you know, this snowball effect of where, where it becomes an event rather than rather than football matches. It, oh, there's loads of people going. I'm going to go now. What what, what was it like leading leading up to to kick off? I think it kind of was. You know, just just excitement really. I mean, you know, when we when we bought our tickets a couple of weeks ago, I think I bought mine in the well. No, the subsequent there was another release. I think last week, but I bought mine sort of the week before. So. Yeah, and I think certainly when I bought my tickets, I thought I know what's going to happen here. We've got two two one paper with like relatively easy games coming up, and we're going to drop points or something like that. So by the time we go to MK, we're really going to be lagging, sort of thing. But yeah, we won those two games, albeit narrowly, but maybe in one of the games, maybe undeservedly. But anyway, won those two games. It just you're right. It was almost an event, and it was Joe's right. It was like a obviously a. I'd say home game, but you just saw so many people, and yeah, and and certainly one or two sort of how I describe it, sort of casual fans that would just go see at the odd home game. Even you know, it was it was yeah, excellent, really, really good, really good. Um, yeah, and not not too bad. Found up in the end, found a parking space literally five minutes away, free on an industrial estate, which was great. Boom. Um, so all good, really. Awesome. Right, let's get into the actual um, match action then. All right, let's dive in with this team news then. So um, let's go with you then, Joe. So Walton in goal, Danassian, Wilfenden, Edmondson, Burns, Thompson. We're kind of used to that. And I think it's going to be a bit of a theme now with these defensive numbers really improving that that's just not going to change, is it? Um, no. Morsi and Backinson is the midfield too. And looks like running power favoured up the top with Selena Chaplin and Jackson. What's your, what's your thoughts, Joe? 
Well, I think I think if you, if you'd have asked every one of those seven thousand Ipswich fans in the stadium, <laughs> what do you think the team is going to be? I don't think a single one would have picked Caden Jackson start up front. But it's interesting that he did that, and it, and it was very much. I know it's shown it as a three four one two there, but it was very much Jackson in the middle, Chaplin mm. on one side, Selena on the other, and. Mm. You can see what he tr- what we were trying to do once the game started. And I was sitting in, let's say, in the restaurant before the game, speaking to the guys there, and I said, "This game is just set up for Jackson just to sort of push him back and push him back and keep him honest, keep him going, and then we'll try and bring on Norwood and Bond with twenty minutes left and try and win the game." At that point, is how it I felt the game was going to go, and it and it was sort of basically exactly how it did go, but it just it just didn't work once we made the changes. Sadly. Morsi and Backinson, Dave. Um, any? Uh, we don't really need to talk about the, the back yeah, six. Yeah, I mean, I think. Such. I honestly, think had he been fit, I would have thought Evans would have started alongside. Would have started alongside Morsi, but seemingly it was a recurrence of his groin injury that he missed some games with. I think seemingly. So yeah, Backinson, um, Backinson alongside Morsi. Um, he was out. He was okay. He, he, he was okay. And I think just in no, defence of Jackson, as Joe said, I think he fulfilled that role that, that the manager wanted him to do. I think he fulfilled it pretty well yesterday. He ran the channel, never stopped running. And I think he did push them back. Yeah, you know, a couple of times perhaps you think he's perhaps, okay, generally playing down the middle on his own. You think perhaps he's weak in possession, but maybe just not quite strong enough. A couple of hulking centre-backs there. But I think by and large... Probably the best. Like it's not not difficult. It's probably we probably want more minutes as well. But probably the best game I've seen him have since the season before last. Probably. Mm. Yeah, um, and it was also oh, yeah. It was really obvious. Sort of sort of ten ten minutes or so in, like they started the game well and we and really were, well and we're really on top and sort of just doing what they wanted to do, having possession where they wanted it. But it just seemed like Jackson pushed and pushed a bit further up. Yeah. And from that point on, I thought we. I thought we controlled the game. I thought we played the game on our terms and we really knocked them out of their stride and they were having to go a lot longer than they wanted to. They were a lot more stretched. Their centre-backs weren't having possession in our half of the pitch, which they had done earlier. And I think a lot of that was down to Jackson's sort of honesty in, in running at them and yeah. keeping them honest as well, not just cheating a little bit. They, they were, because they were scared of his pace as soon as he got the ball. They were scared of his pace. And I thought he did, I thought he did a really good job in the sort of, in executing the game plan that McKenna wanted because he seemed very controlled in his performance. And and it's, it's a little bit frustrating because I, I say, I, without sort of trying to defend Jackson too much, when the team was announced, you just see so much criticism of it on, it was the same at Wimbledon. We played there and we went there and won with him in the team. Yeah. And it's just, you've got to trust McKenna on on these sort of decisions because he's, he's earned our trust so far. And, but there's people around me in the ground every time Jackson did something, Oh, what's he doing? Oh, he shouldn't be playing. Oh, he's rubbish. And I think, I think it should be celebrated almost as a player who's effectively been demoted down into the bottom well, squad. Who's worked hard, obviously worked hard, worked incredibly hard under McKenna and McKenna's coming for a fresh set of eyes. And he sees him as one of his frontline strikers and he's picking him because he's, he's doing a role for him. And at Wimbledon, it was to, push the full-backs back and try and keep us playing that way. And today, it was to keep the centre-backs back. And I think it's really impressive for Jackson to have been able to get his way, not just back into the squad, but back into a key role in the squad. No, I agree. Let me just and then the... you, you, you see McKenna's you know, in the post, post-match interview speaking in glowing terms and, yeah, probably quite rightly about Jackson. Having said that, Morsey, Morsey first half was just outstanding first half. 
Let's just get the rest of the teams done before we get into the action. So, bench for Town then. Pladke, Burgess, Vincent Young, Carroll, Aluko, Bon and Norwood. For MK, a few um, familiar names, and I think we all admit a very good, well-coached team over two years now, really. Uh, coming in goal, the legendary Lewington, who I saw play for Wimbledon about 20 years ago at the hockey stadium. He's 850 games, incredible um, tenure from him. Uh, Darling O'Hora, Watson Harvey, Coventry McEachran, you can still find him. Uh, Corbin O'Parrot, who we know a lot about, and Twine, who's um, probably going to be playing in the championship um, by whatever means um, next season. So um, I'm really interested in picking up on these themes as we go. Um because we've had many conversations on the pod in the McCarthy days about being slightly too concerned with what the opponents are doing and matching up and just attempting to stop them. And then latterly with Paul Kirk, kind of the, the binary opposite, just so ingrained in what we're doing and not particularly much paying to the paying attention to what the opposition's doing. I wonder, and you know, you you can talk about this as a theme as we go through particularly with what you were saying about these bespoke lineups for for different games and you're going to use a pacey striker in a a game against a possession team who are going to leave spaces and going to need Hemming back. I wonder whether we might have the best balance um, for for a few years in terms of tactical setup, taking into account um, our own philosophy. And God, if you listen to McKenna and Manning, you'll hear the word culture or philosophy said about 50 times in 10 minutes, but I get what they're... So I just wonder whether that's something we can we can kind of drop into. Um, who wants to go first then? Um, Dave, you want to talk about the first half and MK starting well? Yeah, they did start well. Um, quite a lot of possession and you sort of, first 10 minutes, you fear the worst. I mean, you know, I went to the game and probably, Joe, you would say the same. Um, you know, 7,000 away fans at the game. Brilliant. What an atmosphere. How many times, home and away, over recent seasons have we seen Games like this come along, <clears throat> great away following, great expectation, and we just haven't turned up. And he, and he, they didn't really create a lot first ten minutes, but a lot of the ball, and a lot of the ball quite deep around our box. And you think, oh, okay. But then we just seem to, as Joe said, we sort of got a foothold in, in the game, and pretty much most of the first half, generally, other than the final five minutes, I guess, of the first half when they did go close. Pretty much dominated, and and Morsey, you just see the difference Morsey makes. You know, a couple of never, very, very seldom ever. I don't think I saw him give the ball away first half, and a couple of times, you know, he dropped his shoulder, broke the line, darted through. Um, we just looked in. It was just really encouraging. Didn't, didn't create too much. Jackson had perhaps an effort. We was played through on the right where maybe he could have gone across the keeper, but a good enough strike on target. Sort of keeps us near post. Gave. 60 accurate passes from 66, 91%. Um, yeah. yeah. Back and, and Backinson grew into it, I suppose. A couple of times he got caught on the ball first half. Um, but a couple of misplaced passes. But again, he got a bit of criticism, but I thought overall, but again, of course, he's playing alongside Morsey. I thought it was probably his best game, easily his best game I've seen him have today. Yeah, I, seen him I, th- I thought his passing was quite progressive as well. He was sort of trying yeah. to play through the lines and... Yeah, back in the he wasn't, he wasn't too safe. Um, yeah, generally a good, really, really encouraging, really encouraging. I think, as, as Joe said, I think our set up, how we set up really, really just threw them off. 
just completely threw them off their game, really. And I'm coming on that, going Joe. Back to, yeah, going back to your earlier point about sort of Cook, the ultra pragmatist compared to, oh, sorry, the ultra will stick to exactly what he wants yeah, to do yeah. where McCarthy mm, would try and yeah. stop them. I think with the squad we've got, we almost are now in a position where we're setting ourselves up to try and hurt the opposition rather than yeah. we're trying to work out what their weaknesses is and set up to play against their weaknesses. Maybe maybe that's because when when Mick was here, we didn't have the squad to do that to most teams. Not that, so it was know. so it was trying to just stop them. But it does seem McKenna, there's there's different game plans for each game. Like I say, you look yeah. at it and it's sometimes it's two up front, sometimes it's sort of one centrally, it's a strike is pushed really wide and it it's it's like we've got a solid base to our team and we use that front three or four just to try and ask them some different questions. And like I said, we haven't we haven't scored enough goals in recent weeks. And I, but I think sort of Tuesday, we had a lot of chance against Doncaster. And had that been 3-0, I think people would maybe be a little bit more positive there. But I thought yesterday, I think it was just one of those games where we were, we were probably the better team. We probably just about edged it, but didn't make their keeper work hard enough. It's, it's more, it's not, it's not the final ball that seems to go wrong. It's almost like the one the one before that where you have a chance to play somebody in to like a really decent wide position and we, and we mess that pass up rather than uh, getting a good crossing position and putting a poor cross. And it's almost like that, just that one stage before it where we, we have that opportunity to release someone and just can't quite do it for me. But I thought, I thought there were some decent performances out there. So I don't think anyone... Anyone had a bad game in our side. No. I thought they worked really well in what they were trying to do as a team. I th- do you know what? Could Selena do more? Selena slightly disappointed me yesterday. And I think the point you make about that that sort of final ball and stuff, you know, there was one, one once or twice, and it's been once or twice because he's so good, because we know he's so, you know, he's so good at this level, for God's sake. He, Sometimes he just frustrates me a little bit, and he did a little bit yesterday. You think could he do? Could he really be getting on the ball a bit more, and perhaps doing a, a little bit more to hurt them? But <clears throat> I think he, he he got he got more into the game second half, maybe. I think yeah, as the game but went then, on. But but also when you can, when you compare it to the start of the season when we played MK Dons, we and we drew two two, so we got we got a point. Well, they the same result. Around us, didn't they? We were. In, <laughs> Like I say, we we got the goals, but two really good goals, weren't they? Sort of bonds first, especially. Yeah, and but yeah. they our but press against through, them was an it? absolute mess. They, they they did exactly what they wanted to do all game and yeah, sort yeah. of hit the bar at the end. And it was one of those games. It could have been seven three or something like that to them, but it ended up <laughs> it ended up being two two. And it was sort of saying, oh yeah, a decent side, decent point. But I think it was one of those. It wasn't a particularly repeatable performance that we played there. If you played like that against them nine times out of ten they'll beat you and this time that isn't the case if we played like that against them it was i don't know it was almost like a sort of playoff game wasn't it? quite an edgy game both edgy. both managers sort of mm. setting up uh, neither neither manager wanting to lose i think in the first instance because i think it was one of those where it, if you'd have lost that you'd have put yourself in a bit of trouble but it was very it maybe wasn't a game for the purist but as a sort of tactical battle it was very interesting just in the little ongoing tweaks that were being made all game and the pitch, the pitch didn't lend itself. It was bobbly, wasn't it? And I saw it. I know they watered it at half time in there, but it was quite. I suppose it's quite windy as well. But it's a lively pitch. The ball was a bit bobbly. It's one of those, wasn't it? Not like you know. I remember the game Portman Road um, early in the season. You know, well watered pitch, green, lush grass, and you know the, they were just zipping the ball about. But it wasn't a pitch that you could do that yesterday, was it? Yeah, I want to pick up on a couple of things you guys have said. Firstly, the <laughs> I hate the term, but I'm going to use it. The whole bottling thing, because you are right, Dave. It's you know, big game. Ipswich will fall over, won't they? So, 
Um, I was kind of going into this thinking if they weren't going to win, honestly, probably nil-nil was then my, you know, mm-hmm. and like Joe talks about a, a repeatable performance. And there's, there's different types of nil-nil, isn't there? There's there's the nil-nil where your opponent deserved to win and couldn't quite score and you're kind of clinging in there. There's the nil-nil. Do you remember um, before we played Norwich that year under Mick against Burton? It's just crap, and both te- you know <laughs> both teams could have been there until seven pm, and nobody's scoring. And then there's this type of nil nil where, like you've suggested, Joe, whereas it's a very competitive nil nil, and it's it's not nil nil due to the ineptitude of you know you can always argue that in a match that's drawn, both teams have failed because nobody has mm. won. Do you know what I'm saying? But in this type of nil nil, um, I'm. I'm fairly pleased because honestly, mm. if we'd have gone there and and won fortuitously, and I go back to Joe's words of repeatable performance, okay, fine, whatever. And even those ones against Mick, I know we're on an anniversary of one against Aston Villa or Watford <laughs> away, where again, Joe's words, repeatable performance. How many times are you actually going to nick that game in the last mm. 10 minutes? Probably not that many, but I'm pretty encouraged by it, Joe. Yeah, and, and I think there was an element of I know we're sort of jumping ahead in the game here, and a little oh, bit no, what, no, just fine. It's what a nil, Mick nil. used to do was um, it was sort of like I just want to get to nil nil at seventy minutes, and if I can get there, <laughs> bring the Goldrick on. Yeah, at that point we got a chance, and, and it felt a bit like that yesterday. We got to about seventy minutes, but at that point we were playing quite well at nil nil, and I, I think he wanted to get Norwood and Bon on, but when mm. we did bring Norwood and Bon on, it, we we lost control of the game. Yeah, I we think did. we yeah, had we a did. very sort of controlled. Um, sort of controlled style and we, and we were stopping them playing but when those two came on sort of Norwood's very chaotic isn't he the way he plays and which can be a fl- good thing flies around a bit it can, it can be a good thing but in a game like that yesterday where it was very tactical and very sort of very intense on the sort of concentration levels of the players it looked it just wasn't a game for him it didn't look for me and when he came on he I say he gives away the free kick at the end which is just by being sort of overzealous in a bad area and I know. I think. I think maybe the sort of changes I'd have looked to maybe get Sonny Aluko on for Chaplin, and then maybe Bon on for Jackson because Bon's capable of playing that sort of controlled role. But I think just bringing the two on was effectively a chance. Look, we're in this game. Let's just try and get some balls forward and mm. catch him like that. But it, it didn't. It didn't ever really come to pass once those two came on. I think once Chap- they came on, the game we sort of lost that that control we had, and they probably ended the game slightly stronger than us. Chaplin was good. I thought Chaplin had a good game yesterday, but. Our goalkeeper's just magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Brilliant yesterday. And you can check out our excellent interview with Christian Welds. Oh, um, tell you. Uh, how old is that now? Richard spoke to him about six, eight, eight weeks ago. But yeah, good, good, smart, smart cookie as well, um, isn't he? A couple of um, months look, ago. You're just, you know, just the confident. I mean, I, I, you know, clean sheets with Van Under McKenna, but, you know, you're just so confident, comes for well, crosses. It's just sort of sweep the keeper role side of it, isn't it? The, yeah, he plays quite high up behind the defence. He does, he does, yeah, yeah. No, so those he, numbers he then, great. Six, six clean sheets in nine, which is very impressive. Obviously, earlier in the season, we were the leading goal scorers in the division, mm-hmm. I think, and the team involved with the most goals in total in the games for various points across the whole 92. Mm-hmm. Um one goal conceded in five games. And I don't want to sound like a biased football fan, but when you reflect on that goal against Sheffield Wednesday, it was very much is one of those where you just get get caught, don't you? But um, look, I think you guys have, have done the game. 
what, what really interested me is I listened to Kieran McKenna's interview afterwards and just on my YouTube suggestions, Liam Manning's one came up afterwards. Mm. And mm. I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm hosting the pod tomorrow. I'm going to listen to his as well. And two things struck me. Um, who are we going to now? Joe. Um, one was the similarities between what Manning and what McKenna was saying and how they were talking about football and what they were doing. The second thing were the glaring differences between how Mick and Paul Lambert and Paul Cook would describe a, describe a game. And I, I kind of thought, is, is this now how managers... It feels a lot more honest and a lot less rhetorical. Is that fair, Joe? Yeah, I, I think it's just the, the changing of any sort of jobs at the moment, isn't it? The, the younger people are taking charge, the sort of 30 to 40-year-olds now are... And it's very different, especially if you're managing younger people, the sort of 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. You, you, there's, there's no such thing really now of this is my way and what I say goes. You've got to explain your decisions to people. And people are used to working environments like that that are more professional environments now. It's not a case of a man leads the in sort of environment and, he's, and he just says what he says. Everyone has to fall in line with it or they go. No, you, you can't treat people like that in jobs these days or you, or you won't retain good staff. And there was an interesting, it was on, I'm sure, EADT and TWTD with McKenna talking about Liam Manning pre-game. And he's basically saying that, that there's some really talented coaches in the academy systems. The academy systems obviously changed sort of 20 years ago or so and you've got these people that have come the whole way through that they're professionals and they are professional coaches that is their profession it's not we're finished playing and we need to find something to do and mm. without sounding sort of too like that but someone like gary roberts for example who's 37 never done a coaching badge and then all of a sudden he's the assistant manager or first team coach at a league one side it's, that's, that's not how it works anymore you, you need these people that are proper professionals and proper willing to learn and they do degrees on it and working through their courses and their pro licenses it's, it's not a simple path to the top now ex-players can go coaching it is like i say it is a profession and it's, it's been going on in germany for a long time you look at the top german managers and you're not you're not talking about people with glittering playing careers you're talking about people that have done a lot of sort of coaching and you look at like the hoffenheims and the leipzigs and teams like that these upwardly mobile teams and they're appointing sort of 30 31 32 yeah. year old managers to come in that are that are managers and i know klopp had a playing career but it's a playing career of very little note and he's done the hard yards on the coaching circuit and england seems to be catching up with germany in that regard and you see like I say, when you look at the EFL, a lot of these appointments now, it's it's the under-23s manager who's got up. It's mm. someone from inside the club, the academy manager, people who have been coaching for 10, 15 years. And obviously, you're still going to get your Stephen Gerrards but he's, and your Frank Lampards, but that they, they surround themselves by people who have been on these coaching journeys as well. They're, they're smart enough to do that rather than just looking for the sort of next cab off the block, really. God, I'm looking down the championship real quick. Marco Silva came that way. Scott Parker's there. Warburton, maybe not. Corberon, yes. Cooper, yes. Nathan Jones, yes. Ryan Lowe, yes. Neil Critchley, yes. Russ Martin, yes. Crikey, you can nearly go all that. Steve Morrison's doing it now. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And Dave, um, I don't want to. I don't want to seem like I'm beating up on um, a couple of our previous managers, but Paul Lambert, you would very much hear this 
and you would think you're not being intellectually honest there when you're saying I thought we were great. We were, and it's like, come on, you know, who are you kidding? And Paul, shut Paul, us up, wasn't it? Yeah, Paul, yeah, kept very was. much this. No, keep going, keep going. We keep training, we keep training, and that yeah. that sort of thing feels a lot more. Um, listenable now <laughs> you know we're actually been told it is something. it is and yeah i think you hit the nail on the head you know if you listen i, I listen to manning's interview but watch manning's interview as well and it's very really very similar very very similar <laughs> extremely um yeah. and as joe said it, it's just probably yeah just reflects the the sort of coaching journey they've had to date really right let's have a look at the League One table and see what all of this um, means. So Rotherham, the machine, won at Sheffield Wednesday today. They are now nine points clear, um, although probably the number we need to look at is Rotherham are, what am I looking at, 11 points clear of third place because Wigan in second still have a load of games in hand. Look at that goal record. Scored 57, conceded 18. Incredible. Absolutely. Best attack, best defence. They are the machine, yeah. aren't they, at League One level? Yeah. Um, but once again, in terms of could it have been worse? Okay, Plymouth are on a three-game win streak, mm. but MK obviously drew because they play us. Uh, Sunderland will have now put Alex Neal in. Um, maybe I'll get your views on that, actually, guys. Uh, Wickham are slipping, two points in four games. Okay, Plymouth are on the win streak. Oxford lost late on to um, Bolton. And Sheffield Wednesday... Lost obviously to Rotherham today. So, um, Dave, is there a little bit of an abating? You know, Joe and I were crunching the numbers last week, and it all looked incredibly depressing. But they've all actually dropped off. Particularly if you look third, fourth, fifth, um, sixth. Okay, take Plymouth out again. But third, fourth, fifth, seventh have all scored two, one, two, zero, and three in the last. So there has been a little bit of a bit of a drop off. So. Could have been worse table-wise, couldn't it, Dave? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That does give you hope. I mean, I think look over. You look, you look forward. You beat the next thing. You know, take as you say, cliche. Take each game it comes, but you know, win the next game. But you know, looking over our shoulders, Bolton are on a pretty good run. They've got a game in hand. They're on a hell of a run. Um, Maybe similar. Can't quite think. I mean, obviously they turned us over early season had a good early season then had a real dip but they're really in a great run so yeah I think you need to look at those but yeah good result today as you said rather than winning it's um rather than winning albeit I, I think I don't think it was on anywhere but saw the match report on that rather fortuitously but that's what you do that's why you're top you know you win those sort of those sort of games they've only um, conceded five goals away from home this season it's just nuts <laughs> in it it's just that's just off the charts crazy in it that's, that's like Liverpool circa 1978 79 or whenever it was 16 well slightly more than that but yeah it's um yeah I mean looking at the teams Wickham yeah Wickham aren't in great form are they obviously Sunderland I mean and getting back I don't know Joe would probably say about this good appointment i think that's a pretty steady I like appointment him. Yeah, yeah i think that's a decent appointment almost a worryingly good appointment actually <laughs> for sunderland to think who they almost saw well who was the likely um or was he ever likely we'll never know that but certainly uh the the uh the certain favorite this time last week even going into even going into the middle of the week but yeah that's a good that's a good appointment um, I think when you talk about sort of floors and ceilings of managers, I think Alex Neal has got a far higher floor in charge oh. of Sunderland there, hasn't he? He's not going to have them plummeting down the table and no, it all kicking off and going from there. If you think he's done two jobs really in England at Norwich where he sort of got them up, didn't quite keep them up and then got them up again, didn't he? And then at Preston, mm. he's turned a sort of an Ipswich 
an Ipswich town size budget into sort of yeah, playoff pushes, a, really, hasn't he? Gla- and and there's a smart. glass ceiling there, Joe, isn't there? For yeah. people like Alex Neal at Preston, isn't there? Come on, yeah, but, no, but I think, smart. like I say, when you look at the um, the table, it's it's still incredibly unlikely making the playoffs. It it feels like there's a very narrow path for us to get there, and it's going to take a lot of things going right. And yeah. it's almost like the, almost like the Goonies in the search for the pirate ship, where. <laughs> They've they've got all these obstacles to overcome. You, you can't you can't get one wrong because if you get one wrong, you're going to be in Davy Jones' locker, so to speak. But um, you've just got and you look at the fixtures this week. It's Burton at home, isn't it? Cheltenham at home. They've they've got to be two wins, don't they? There's yeah, we, we've 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 dropped all the points against teams like that that we can afford to this season. We dropped that in the first half of the season. But like I say it's just this very narrow path that we've just got to we've got yeah. to navigate somehow and. So I think that's there, and you can almost look at the fix, and you know which ones they are. Like yesterday, a draw was perfectly fine. That keeps us, yeah. that keeps us moving in the right direction. A defeat would have been disastrous, and a win would have been brilliant. But a, a draw is is fine there. But at Portman Road, with the amount of points we've dropped at home already this season, you just you just got to win those games, and they're two games that. We're going to be the bookies' favourite to beat Burton. We're going to be the bookies' favourite to beat Cheltenham. And we've got to make sure that we do. And then you've got the six points going into sort of a couple of long away trips, haven't you, after that Morecambe and Fleetwood. And you, you, then you can a... see where you've got to go. You, you, you just can't... We, we know where we can't drop points. It's not saying we've got to win every game, but you, you, know, you know which ones you can't drop points in. And these, these two coming up are, the, are those two games. Yeah, you've got like Oxford away coming up in March roundabout when the Portsmouth home game is as well, haven't you? Mm. So, um, Plymouth are on a worryingly good run of form again, aren't they? They've picked up. Yeah, they have. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you kind of... It, it's very hard not to get lulled into judging everything by the size of the club, isn't it? So I look there and I see Plymouth and I see Sheffield Wednesday close together and immediately I'm more scared of Sheffield Wednesday just because they're Sheffield Wednesday when, mm. you know, Plymouth may be... Maybe better said, but I, I agree with Joe. I, I wanted to go down on my phone and do the calc- go down on my phone. That was a, not a nice turn of phrase, wasn't it? I wanted to look at my phone, look down at my phone, and do the calculation. Still eighty one point two points at sixth place is projecting at the moment, which is which <laughs> is Plymouth, which stretch. Yeah, it's it's ungodly high. And I just go back to I think Craig said it on one of the shows. It now needs a, a George Burley with David Johnson in 1997-98 type. Well, we, st- we still need another 10 or 11 season. wins, don't we? And, yeah. And we've only yeah. got 16 yep. games to get it in. And so you are going to need to win three in a row and then maybe draw one and then win another couple. And and that's what we've done since McKenna's come in. If you think we've had nine games now with McKenna, we've won six and we've drawn one, 19 points. Well, if we get 19 points from the next nine games, then I think we're we're going to be closer to the playoffs than what we, we are, are at the moment. And then yep. and then that leaves you with sort of seven games to go from there. And you just got to try keep that form going. But Dave, it's, a, it's an incredibly difficult task. Dave, there's just a frustrating tension inherent in this conversation because we spent the first 25, 30 minutes of the pod talking about, you know, a manager who's able to take control of difficult away games and things all looking good. And then we, we do the actual real analysis of the table and you know it says that all of that positivity may not matter if things don't fall in our favor as far there's that that tension is i can understand it i don't think you can talk about i don't think you can worry about other other teams and no the point i made it's all about us now isn't it no but we we have to go on that right now no no, i i don't think it is i think we can play really well to the end of the season 
And if someone else doesn't open the door for us, like I, I count getting 76 points or 77 points as we've done our job. Because most years, that's yeah, what we I, well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's the point. I'm okay. particularly look. As Joe said before, Craig, or Joe has said before, it's, it's going to be all you know the results we had in August, September that is going to ultimately bite us in the ass, isn't it? Possibly. And it's, and, and, well, well, yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tremendous stuff. Shall we go into some? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Right, Joe, I think you've spoken about this before, so I'm going to go to you with this one. Um, and it's a reasonable question from Dan. Um, if we don't go up this season, how are the financial restrictions likely to impact us next season? Um, can you talk about that from a point of view of our budget and a point of view of league rules? Well, uh, our budget is effectively down to our owners, how much they're willing to spend in that, that there are ways around the the league rules in this league that you can just in, inject more sort of effectively income into the club to up your turnover to do the wages. But I think we've been able to have a higher wage bill this year because we were able to raise sort of two and a half, three million in or probably three million in transfer fees from your Downs, Dazelles, Bishops, Lancasters, Ed Shearer sponsorship deals. Yeah. So it's a case of, will we need to sell a player in the summer or, well, we might not need to, but if we get an offering for a player in the summer, so someone comes in and puts three, three and a half million on the table for George Edmondson or someone like that, then will there be pressure to sell him? And I think there's always, I think if you're in League One, there's always going to be a pressure to sell players. If you get good offers on the table, we're not going to get mugged on anyone because we've got good financial backing. But this was very much a one-year project when you when you see this, the money spent on Macaulay Bond, Burst and Selena, and obviously we've since made it permanent, but Christian Walton, those three would have been hugely expensive loan deals. And mm. it's just, does the squad 
sort of pare back a little bit in the summer or we've obviously trimmed it back quite quite substantially in January really when you look at who's gone out to who's come in there's sort of seven or eight out and only a couple in but it's just a case of what really McKenna wants to do but we're st- whatever happens we're still going to be a club with a huge budget in this league compared to the majority of our, our peers we might not if Sunderland and Sheffield Wednesday stay down we might be the third biggest budget in the league or if Derby come down and have a takeover. We might be the fourth biggest budget, but we're not. We're not going to be the eighth biggest budget in this league. We're going to have a budget that, if if we do well, will allow us to win the league. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Dave, this is FPL Tractor. Um, I have faith in McKenna to add a little more cutting edge. Do you? Now, I've told you off over the years for using the term cutting edge and ask you to be very specific about what you mean by cutting edge um so fpl tractors using the term but joe's already mentioned maybe not scoring as many goals as as possible is that just um a, a symptom of who we've played against in a couple of games or do you think that can flow a little bit better going forward yeah i think i think it can flow a little bit better i mean i wouldn't say other than i suppose Doncaster on Tuesday, we we did create probably more chances in that game. Or look, we're playing for goodness sake than we have in a, a good few games because certainly when taking taking McCauley Bond as an example, all right, he scored one goal in seventeen games, but I probably for that many vast now? majority of the home games, but eight eight 19. of those games. Made, sorry, what's that, Joe? I think it's like one in nineteen now. Is it's it one in nineteen? Okay, no. but for the vast majority of the games I've witnessed, you isn't adding. He's not missed chances. He just hasn't added a chance he just hasn't had any chance you know created for him or created any chances for himself yes um certainly stuck out he missed a few at um he missed a few against Doncaster header from a corner yesterday probably the half half a chance probably but yeah um it's just disappointing that we've obviously lost that goal output because we were absolutely I mean after even with the the adverse results and draws and stuff we were top goal scorers for going into probably going into well into October I think probably especially after obviously the Doncaster game so yeah there there is a lack of cutting edge at the moment but <laughs> I think a lot of that is down to just just really haven't created that many clear-cut chances as such and I think it's um so it's quite interesting really when you when you look at the squad makeup and then you look at the contracts of people that we've got in the squad and you look and you obviously in goal you've got Christian Walton who's going to be our number one next year yeah. then you've got Danashi and Wolfie and Edmondson all tied down at the back Burns is tied down obviously there's nothing really at left back Morsey's tied down Evans is tied down Chaplin's tied down and then you look at the forwards and it's James Norwood whose contract's up in the summer McCauley Bond who's on loan up in the summer, Caden Jackson, whose contract is up in the summer, and then Joe Piggott, who's probably fourth choice out of those four strikers. And it's like that is that's going to be a very interesting. Hmm. It's not it's not going to be a summer like last year, but it, that's going to be very interesting what we do up front and what sort of strikers McKenna wants. The fact that he's played Jackson as much as he has done, which is I know it's only two starts and a few sub appearances, but does that indicate that's the sort of player that he wants to get somebody with that hmm. raw pace just to occupy defenders rather than maybe be a, as much of a goal threat and try and open the game up for your sort of Salinas and Chaplins in behind him. But it's going to be an interesting summer in that regard. You would think but someone so, might though. get 10 goals between now and then. Unlike, I can't see it. But yeah, you, you would think perhaps two of those strikers will be moved on in the summer. We'll, we'll okay. go. At least, at least. Yeah. yeah well, well, you were talking about that, um, particularly Joe talking about churn of, um, of recruitment. I was kind of... Um, in my many hours um, studying the championship and since 
my many hours being lectured by Bristol City fans on things I already know. Um, Mark Ashton got that bit right, and he was at three quarters of the way up the hill in terms of signing players, selling them, bringing others in, sell for hire, spend more, sell for hire, spend more. And really, I, I would contend that his um, previous work would make me not afraid of, of selling players because um, as much as our Robins friends won't want to admit it, for the most part, <clears throat> he did that very well. And they're getting to Traded a point up. where they're yeah. signing, exactly, where they're signing Thomas Callas for eight million, yep. having sold Adam Webster for 25 million. And they're signing Hanno Masengo for seven million, who's probably now worth more than that. And, and you know, wants a menu's got to be a exactly. seven players. Alex Scott, yeah. exactly, exactly. So what I would, what I would say is um, in the past, that thought has been terrifying, hasn't it? I don't think oh, any no, club we... should be afraid of selling players, but obviously no. as Ipswich fans, we're, we're a little bit attuned it, to it though. because when yeah. we've sold players, it's too sort of, Timing wrong, fee wrong. Book Every time. And even when we've got a decent fee for someone like Mings, you get eight million for him. All that all that has done is reduce Marcus Evans's losses, which yep. is understandable in some ways, but as fans, it you're just selling a good player and replacing them with a weaker one and, and hoping that the manager can sprinkle some fairy dust on it to make that weaker player stronger. And it's and it you're sort of chasing your tail at one point there, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Um well bits, he's getting a bit confident now, isn't he? This is a you're watching on YouTube a picture of our very own Craig Fimbo there. Um, very nice. His question is to me, and I think he's been a bit of a sure house here. When will we see Mr. Bloom at an Ipswich game again? I would just like to say, in my defense here, um, I, I now have a nice situation on Saturday afternoons that um allows me to stay home with my lovely missus and uh, <laughs> young, young baby and uh, still a crew. Not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay single. <laughs> um, but I will try and get to a Tuesday night. Uh, um, well, hopefully we'll play Milton Keynes in the playoffs and it'll be just on your doorstep. On a, on a Tuesday night. Uh, yeah. And then the first game next season will be Luton. Yeah. <laughs> be nice. um, well, let's say that this one feels a little bit contrarian, but I'll, I'll throw it in. Uh, this is Dave. Uh, one man's tactical genius is another man's inept tinker man. Now, um, I'm going to pour water on the exaggeration for effect. Okay, can we let, let, let's move the boundaries in there? Um, where do you stand on today's team selection? Um, what, what, what do you think to that? I, I suspect the undertone there from um, from from Dave is that he didn't like the, the the team selection, but obviously let's not get into geniuses and ineptitude. It I, I think it it operates in a far narrower sphere than um, slightly hyperbolic language like that. Yeah, so there's I a think, solid base to the team, isn't there? There is. Yeah, which helps. Which helps. So you can perhaps make this easier. Make those sort of perceived radical, say radical changes. As Joe said, <laughs> no one would have, no one would have anticipated Jackson started in a game like that yesterday. But you know, with hindsight and looking how the game panned out, he got it right. So um, if if Lee Evans is fit, you know what the back eight of the team is going to yeah, look you like, do. don't you? Yeah. Yeah, so you it's do just now. the three players in front of them, and it's yeah, just it is. trying to ride the hot hand almost. I'd, I'd have liked, I must admit, yesterday, the one thing I'd have liked, like Joe said, I'd have liked to have seen a Luco a bit earlier. I think he could have had a bit of more, he could have had a little bit more influence on that game yesterday. Um, and I'm surprised, I'm surprised that he didn't come on Perhaps he didn't change the three. I mean, maybe changing three is, you know, with what, 15 minutes to go as a stretch, Dave, from, but... 
I'd from like what you guys it. were saying, and I wasn't, I wasn't there, as Fitz has pointed out. Um, it sounded so tense that you just don't want to go too early. And like, no, you uh, don't. Also, no. like Joe said, it maybe if he'd gone slightly earlier with Norwood and Bond, things might have gone I, the I'd other have, way as well. I'd have gone like for like, I think I'd have got a Luca on for Selena yesterday, a little, little bit earlier, a little bit earlier, I think. But yeah. Um, but. This is from our own Craig, uh, Dave. We'll stick with you on there. So, one of the uh, many weaknesses of the previous two managers was being outthought uh, with a T H, uh, both before and during the matches. Uh, the way that we're now set up, both match to match and organised, changed throughout games. Looks like it's uh, doesn't look like it's going to be a failing with Kenneth. Um, I suppose we've 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 spoken about that and the the yeah. the bespoke um, approach, but I think we agree. Um, it's a question from another Dave. Lots of Dave's in the in the chat today. Everywhere, um, <laughs> bloody everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. Um, just talking about lack of goals. I think we talked about that. Uh, this is an interesting one, um, guys. Uh, Lee, not wishing to be Nelly negative. <laughs> uh, the way other results went, can we say this was a missed opportunity? There's always that argument, isn't there, Joe? That you know, if if other people aren't winning, if you did, you can't argue with the with the fact that you would have been better off with three points than one. But to, to what extent is that relevant, Joe? Well, every every game you don't win is a missed opportunity. But I I don't think there's many fans that would have been... If you'd have said, look, we're going we're gonna to get a point, we're going to come back from there, we're going we're gonna to put in a good Second performance and, and get a point. I think most people would have been quite happy with that. I think, like I say, I think it was a step forward as a performance and a step forward in the league table there. But I say, yeah, obviously you'd you prefer to win, wouldn't you? But I think if we'd have gone there and had a game like you were talking about earlier where they just couldn't score and they've battered us and it's finished nil-nil. I think you'd come away from that game thinking, oh, yeah, we've got a point, which is good. But ultimately, yeah, miles away. Yeah. we've gone to Sheffield Wednesday and we've lost. We've gone to Bolton yeah. and we've lost. And then we've gone there and while we've got a point, we haven't made any progress. But it felt like we'd made some progress on the pitch. And, and a point is a decent result there. And again, Dave, it's that... <laughs> It's almost the fairest thing on Kieran McKenna to do would be to judge it on the games that he's managed and the points per game on that and say, well, that's more than more than good enough. And he's not responsible for the, the crimes of early in, earlier in the season. But unfortunately, we have to judge it by the context of the whole season, don't we? Yeah, we do. No, we, we, we really do. And it was... Uh... It's easy to say, you know, under under Cook, would we've got a result there? <laughs> probably, probably not. You know, probably not. I think there's a, yeah, there's a bit more steel to us now, a little bit more character, I think, to us. That's what it is. And and you know, I know I said a, a few minutes ago, Morsey was a huge steel panther. It, yeah, Morsey was a huge player for us yesterday, and you can steel see how important fan. you could st- all around my hat. Steelers um, wheel. You can see just how what a difference what a difference he made. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so I, th- I think we could have gone there and won under Cook, but we ultimately we could also have gone there and lost three nil. Five two. Yeah, I'm and we might have, we might have gone there and nicked a one nil, or we might have lost three nil. But I don't think we'd have lost three nil there under McKenna, which is now we were sort of narrowing, narrowing the um, sort of yeah. the types of results you can get under him. And I think that's what happens if you become a solid defensive team. You you sort of get rid of a lot of the bad results and comparing the two games, similar sort of games, I suppose, well, sorry, playing against sides in similar positions, you know, take the Sunderland, you know, the Sunderland away game where just, 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 that was just cook really, you know, we probably battered them, but no way did we deserve to lose this game. But under cook, 
you know, some one reason or another, we did. You know, Walton comes through across, he misses across. That just wouldn't, you, you can't see that happening now. I just want to quickly touch Maybe because on. obviously the back, you know, you got to settle back. As as Joe said, you got to settle but when Evans plays a back, you know, eight players there, you know, from midfield, you know, from midfield back. But yeah, you just couldn't see that happening now. And I think the thing that, well, I'll speak for myself rather than fans, period, will be I'm more accepting of is, um, and yes, taking into account resources and higher league under Mick, but that was a solid defensive team but that wasn't going to control a game. They would well, no. they would control a game in a, without controlling the ball. Let's yeah, just say. but we, we control the game with, with the ball, don't we? That's did we have more possession than them yesterday? I thought we, we did, 53. Um, we, we were yeah, just we off, weren't we? Was it 56 BBC said was 53. Mm. And I think we had so there can't be many more games. How many games? in their half than them and things like that. Oh yeah, you're right. Games 50, yeah. How many games are they going to oh, play yeah. this season where they don't have the majority of possession? You're right. I mean, we, we, played, we played the game on our terms, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, for any pedants that want to um, comment uh, on the last thirty seconds, all three people on this podcast understand that you don't get any points for having more possession, <laughs> but uh, it seems impossible to discuss that without somebody trying to point that out as some kind of flaw in your <laughs> in your conversation. Right. Um, we need to wrap up, boys. Um, I am at liberty here to say, oh, bad news, ITFC women 2-0 up yeah. at Crawley before the referee abandoned the match due to wet conditions. So, um, yeah. Can't get much luck at the moment, can they, the ladies' team? Yeah, a couple of draws, finally, finally get a couple of goals and the game gets called off can't after catch a, a decent break, nah. trip. And um, we are doing a book club pod um, where there's going to be a review of the Paul Mariner book um, with um, Mark Donaldson. So keep your eyes out for um, that. That is the parish notices done. Um, Burton at home, David. Three points. Got to be, as Joe said. Got to be three points. You're such an yeah. arrogant Ipswich fan, Dave. Your, your sense of entitlement well, not, you know, divine I'm, right is... You know is, I'm not that, but you know, it, it's got, you know, if, we, if we've got any pretense at all of, of what would be, let's face it, gate crash in the playoffs, um, yeah, we, we, we these next two home games we need to win. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the numbers They're not the here. greatest form, are they, Burton? Are no. They? no, they're not. No. One point in three, dropped into 13th in the table. I think it drew with Cambridge, did they, at the weekend? I don't two quite... Two, yeah, 2-2. Two, 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 two. Yeah. Don't quite remember. And, say Burton, Burton are, when, when I've watched them, they've always been a decent side. I thought they were... They probably edged the game when we went to the Pirelli yeah. at the start of the, start of the season. It sort of hinged on Scott Fraser's penalty miss there, but they've done well. They did brilliantly last year when Hasselbank came in and... No, no team's going to be a pushover at this level, but as Dave said, if if we want if we want to make the playoffs, we simply have to win, and there's there's not there's not many opportunities to slip up, and this isn't one of them. No, they're they're solid, aren't they? I mean, they're in no danger. I think they're comfortably just above mid table. I think, aren't they? Mm. Um, yeah, won't be won't be easy. But again, I'll take another nick. I say not nick. Yeah, take another one nil win. Move on. <laughs> move on move, move on, on. Um, and that's what we're going to do because this has been uh, hey. the blue monday uh, podcast uh, i think we i think it'd only be right in honor of our friend uh, mikey to end on the on a, on a romantic theme um i've never seen so many men ask you if you wanted to dance they're looking for a little romance <laughs> um <Dave's... laughs> here's a romantic thing so here you go that yes. was Give number me some romance. one that was number one on my wedding day no way. Yes, the way. La- the lady in red. 
A Lady in Red by Christy Burra. Christy Berg. Indeed it was. Cheek, there you go. There cheek you go. to cheek. Do you know that guy sold like 80 million records or something mental? Probably Spaceman came He's still releasing loads of albums, isn't he? Isn't it? <laughs> Why not, I think he's hey? still putting out a new album every year. Yeah, Unbelievable Proli- scenes. Prolific. Prolific. Uh, do, do you want to say anything romantic? Can you top De Burr, Joe? No, no. No one can top old CDB. <laughs> CDB. <laughs> oh dear. No one can top the bird. So I'll say goodbye from the Blue Monday podcast and um, we'll see you with the book club. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.